welcome back to another edition of the Nuggets Inc. podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schumer, joined, as always, by my good friend Mike Singer in Casa de Singer. A little saucy today, I might say, Mike Singer. Coming off a kind of a bad loss for the Nuggets, I'd Very say. Bad loss. Yeah, it didn't look great. The San Antonio Spurs didn't even have their best player on the court. And the Nuggets just did not show up, especially on defense. Mike, how you doing? I'm good. Uh, to your point, yes, a little saucy, a little sleep-deprived. Um, and I'm ready to get into it. We got two games left in the regular season. Everything is still on the table for the Nuggets. Uh, and I'm eager to get into it, I'll say. All right, so let's, let's just start right where we're at right now, which is two games to go. Nuggets are... Kind of locked into the sixth seed, it seems like. Can't imagine them moving up. A lot of things have to happen for them to move up into five. Uh, and waiting for them in the first round, the Golden State Warriors. Hold up, hold up. Are we dismissing the play-in tournament? The, the thing that they somehow yes. actively missed last night? Yes. We're dismissing it? Yes, because – Okay. All right. Just – okay. It's Wednesday, uh, 4 p.m. And for the Nuggets – to get into the play-in tournament, they would have to lose out, so lose their final two games, and the Minnesota Timberwolves would have to win out. So, yeah, I'm saying that's not going to happen. All right. Still on the table. <laughs> All I'm saying. All right. So, yes, as you can see, we got ourselves a sassy singer today. Is and it saucy or sassy? I think it's both. I think it's both. It's right. saucy and sassy. Right. Um, so, is – the sixth seed going against the Nuggets, a better position for them than being a five seed and going against the Mavericks? Yeah, I mean, the funny thing is that even though last night against San Antonio was an awful loss, um, meaning that I thought that their engagement was abysmal, uh, I didn't think they were locked in, focused, desperate, urgent, any and all of the above, uh, in reality, the bottom line is that I think that they would actually prefer the sixth seed um, which which may yield the Golden State Warriors at this point. I think they match up well against the Warriors. I think they'd have a fighting chance against the Warriors in the first round. But the problem with blowing last night's game is that they would have maintained the five seed, A, and B, they would have controlled their own destiny, meaning they could have chose who they want to face in the first round. They could have decided, you know, we actually like our, our chances against the Dallas Mavericks. So, you know, we're, we're going to do our best to stay in the five seed. Um, or if, if we wanted to, we can lose our last two games and and obviously scheme to get the Golden State Warriors. So the, the, the loss last night, you kind of lose a little bit of the route that you get to choose. It's now – it looks, to your point, like they're going to be the sixth seed. Um, in addition to a host of ho – a whole other reasons, last night was terrible – um, but at the bottom line, six seed, I think they're going to live with it mostly because they're not going to be on the, the su same track as the Phoenix Suns. So <clears throat> the other thing that you didn't bring up, and uh, I think you'd, you'd sort of teased in your story, was the idea that perhaps everything's all clinched, everything's all locked up, that maybe they decide, hey, we've got these two games, we could possibly do a test run with Jamal Murray for the last two games. Get him out there, see how he responds in a low-pressure environment. Um, as we speak right now, he is not slated to return for Thursday night's game. 
do you think that ship has sailed? Is there no way he's coming back in the regular season at this point? Do they bring him back for the finale? I'm not ruling uh, out a return for the regular season. I don't. I'm not going to rule that out until a we see the injury report um, for Thursday's game against the Grizzlies and also Sunday's game against the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, I talked to Michael Malone last week um, when we were in Indianapolis, and Malone told me they're not ruling anything out for this season. Why would we shut him down? Is what Malone told me. We could conceivably bring him back. Uh, for the playoffs. Would that be smart? That's a different question, Matt. Sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, know, I interrupted. I'm just, okay. You just asked what his status was. Yes. I, don't, I really don't know whether it's prudent Saucy. to bring him back. I really don't. He's been out for a year. Do we introduce him, reintroduce him to basketball in the most crucial um, high-intensity environment that, that the NBA has to offer? Uh, others may suggest that is ill-advised. Um, I don't know what camp I'm in. I, I know which camp you're in, Matt. Well, recent NBA history says it's a bad idea. There's multiple examples of guys coming back from injury and inserted into playoff uh, circumstances where it went bad. Uh, just off the top of my head, the big one, the big cautionary tale, Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose comes back. They, I, don't, I don't know if you would say they rushed him back. Did they rush him back? Kind of maybe. Who knows? But – Either way, he comes back, re-injures himself, and they lose him for another long extended period of time because of that injury. I mean, Kevin Durant. Kevin uh, we Durant. We talked about it off air. Kevin Durant um, you know, comes back in the NBA Finals against Toronto, tears his Achilles, is out for the entire year, um, the entire subsequent year. So uh, they, they should absolutely be very careful with, with Jamal Murray, who – and let's just be completely honest um, – there's probably a cap on how far the Nuggets can go this year. Um, you know, Nikola Jokic is incredible. He's also exhausted. Uh, what form of Jamal Murray are the Nuggets going to get if he does come back? Is he? What about MPJ? Is he 75%? I'm not done with Jamal Murray. Is he 75%? Is he 80%? What is fair to expect? And and also, you know, you can kind of see where Jamal's head's at. The last his his coming out party was in the bubble um, when he went berserk against the Utah Jazz and the Los Angeles Clippers. So what is the expectation that Jamal Murray has of himself? Um, you hear it from the players. I've asked multiple players, Nikola Jokic and Aaron Gordon. They both tell Jamal to practice caution. They say, it's your body. Be careful. Make sure you're 100%. And if so, then let's ride. You also hear Monte Morris. I asked him, you know, what's your conversation? What's the temperature with Jamal Murray? And he says he's ready to come back. He's dunking off both legs. He looks good. It's just a matter of time. So who are we to believe here in the Jamal Murray saga? Um, and, and if we can't take anybody's word for gospel, then let's deduce the fact that he's clearly struggling with this decision, that not everybody is entirely aligned with what Jamal is going to do because they're not all, no one's in Jamal's head. Just for the record, it has not been 12 full months since his injury. I believe his injury was April 13th, 12th. 12th. So we're, we're at 51 weeks um, and counting. And uh, look, he is trying, he is working out, he is ramping up his behind the scenes uh, workouts. He's been playing against coaches and staffers and, and other players. Uh, in in three on three and four on four settings, he's been playing hard and he's been playing well. Um, as it's been the entire time with Jamal Murray's rehab, it's how does he respond 
after he goes hard and what is his confidence level when he goes hard? Is he thinking at all? Because if he's thinking at all, then this is not the time to bring him back in the playoffs. When those, those moments of hesitation get exposed, when those moments of hesitation cost you, um, you know, forget about the series and, and the result of the series. What about this dude's health that you have invested in for years? This guy is going to be a franchise pillar alongside Joker. Like, do you jeopardize that? And I know that I've been skeptical that a return was a, a practical or prudent matter. Um, at the end of the day, it's Jamal's call. If Jamal feels up to it, uh, let's let's read between the lines here. He went down to Grand Rapids and played five on five. Uh, no one will confirm this or say this, but he's not doing that if he's not medically cleared to return. He's not playing con- full contact basketball. What I mean. Let's just be honest here. So Michael Malone told me, what is his confidence level? Everything that I have heard and reported is this is in Jamal's head. How comfortable and confident is he with his body, and would he be willing to quote-unquote risk it in a potential return? So the thing that I would say, you know, outside of just recent NBA history and the fact that this is uh, a very risky thing to do is you don't – ease your way into an NBA playoff game. When you go into an NBA playoff game, it is high intensity the entire time. You can't just sort of play your way into a game. It's going to be at a 10 the whole time. Do you want that to be your first game back? If I'm Jamal Murray, I don't. I don't want to be put into that situation because that's when you overexert yourself. That's when things happen. And I just don't see how that's smart. Which is why I'm going to circle back to the giant fart bomb that happened last night against the San Antonio Spurs. Had they handled their own business, there would be two games of no pressure basketball that Jamal Murray could have conceivably played in. They have not clinched the top six seed. Because of that, these games still matter. And you know, conceivably, you could bring back Jamal Murray at this point, and it would be, you know, a 5 out of 10 as opposed to a 10 out of 10 in the postseason. But if you really wanted to reintroduce him with minimal stakes, you needed to get last night. Or you needed to get when the Timberwolves came to Denver and you lost that one. Or you needed to get the time when you lost to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yikes. Yes, if you can't tell, my opinion of the Nuggets is that they play down to teams. They play up to teams. It's unclear what version of the Nuggets you are going to get. We're 80 games through the regular season. Nikola Jokic was asked last night, how do you fix the defense? And he goes, brother, we're 80 games into the season, and I don't know, my friend. I have no idea. He settles on maybe just play hard. We're talking about playing hard? Playing hard? I mean, that's what defense Shout out comes Jim down Mora. to. Yeah, that was good. Uh, oh, that's playoffs, but yes. Very I'm close. Aware. Very I, close. I'm well aware what it was. <laughs> that's on you. Pick up the cues, Matt. <laughs> All right, you mentioned Nuggets defense. Uh, they've got a guy who's, you know, I would say, a decent defender. Uh, his name is Davon Reed, and if they do not convert him over the next two games, he's not available for the playoffs. And 
let me just list Playoffs? off. <laughs> let me just list off a couple of guys for you that would be available potentially. Oh let me sit down. Faku Composo. Do you want that defensive maestro out on the court in the playoffs? Abstain. <laughs> Vletko Chanchar. Has not played since he broke his foot and had foot surgery. So, you're going to hold on to those two guys and not hold on to maybe what would second or third best wing defender on your team? Maybe Maybe number two on that level? Can we talk about something that is a – tertiary uh, aspect of the Davon Reed conversation. Let's talk about the Nuggets' defensive guards. Let's talk about how Monte Morris is an average defender. He, he, he holds his own for his size. He had um, a couple moments last night. Actually. He had a couple moments last night. Defensive guards, the only one who is a plus, in my opinion, is Austin Rivers. There's a reason why Austin Rivers – filled in for the starting lineup when Jeff Green was unavailable in yesterday's game against the San Antonio Spurs. In a first-round series against the Golden State Warriors, Austin Rivers would be underscored, highlighted as an X-factor because it's his responsibility to slow down Steph Curry. Let's look at the Nuggets' other guards. Bones Highland competes, doesn't really... He's a rookie. He's a rookie and is still learning the nuances of, of, of the NBA game, let alone defensive game let alone what playoff defense entails. He has no idea what that means. Who else are we looking at? Will Barton. Will Barton picks and chooses when he's going to engage defensively. Um, Sometimes he's overly aggressive, and it burns him. I watched the first half last night, and he he springs out onto a, a Josh Primo or a Devin Vassell, and he loses ground because he's overly aggressive. So... Who are the guards that we trust defensively on this team? I mean, Bryn Forbes? Bryn Forbes just got back into the lineup last night after missing two games from DNP coach's decision. He's already been played off the floor in the playoffs before. Been played off the floor. So who are the defensive guards that we trust in the entire on the entire roster? I mean, I'm not... I don't know who is above Davon Reed to circle back. I don't know who is above this guy. And oh, it's not Faku. No, probably not. It's Faku. not Faku. It's not five foot nine, five foot ten Faku. So um not a f- range of guys that he can guard. Like, a range of guys. I mean, against the Lakers in the fourth quarter against the Lakers, he guarded Anthony Davis. He guarded Russell Westbrook. He guarded Carmelo Anthony. He guarded Stanley Johnson, Taylor Horton Tucker. Like, you name it, Davon can at least stick with this. He's dude. kind of playing the Tory Craig role of old. The Tory Craig role of old, the PJ Dozier role of old. Like, there is a prototype. He fits the prototype. Michael Malone rides. With Davon Reed. Just don't throw behind the back passes. Yes. That was an awful turnover, and he would be the first one to concede it. He got the hook after that one. Well, Michael Malone called timeout right after he threw that turnover, and he looked at Davon, and he goes, come on, D. I saw him. I saw him react to it. He looked like a disappointed parent. I I saw that tweet. That was pretty funny. Uh, And several plays later, he ends up putting – or next next, after the timeout, he puts Austin Rivers in. Austin Rivers then commits an and-one foul – Michael Malone calls another timeout, and he looks at Austin like, come on, man, you're supposed to be my guy. You're supposed to be my defensive guard. So I look at this roster, and I think of potential playoff matchups. Well, 
I hear that the Golden State Warriors have a pretty electric backcourt. I also hear that if the Nuggets stay in the sixth seed, they would, in all likelihood, see the Memphis Grizzlies in the second round. Man, That's tough. John Morant licking his chops. That's tough. Licking his chops at the defensive guards that the Nuggets have right now. So um, all circles back to Davon Reed. Um, will they convert him? As far as I know, they have not had a ton of conversations about converting Davon Reed. There are two games left in the regular season. Can they convert him moving forward? Yes. They, can, they have up until Sunday, the last day of the regular season, to do so. Would that entail waiving a player because all 15 roster spots are currently filled? Yes. And this gets to an interesting question of – and it's a, it's, a, it's a look under the hood of, of what the Nuggets are and um, their guiding principles and what Tim Connolly believes in. He believes in culture. He believes in building uh, the relationships and, and, and having you know, actual trust in the players – and the agents and the representation and, and all of that is a huge um, glance at, at how he operates and it is a tell if the, he is if he decides not to waive one of these guys who clearly are less reliable in not a not going to be used probably in a, in a potential playoff series than Davon Reed. That being said, if there's a cap on what the Nuggets can do or are expected to do this season. Is it worth jeopardizing any of those relationships with Faku, who's going to be a free agent this summer, or Vlatko, who is beloved within the locker room? Well, okay. I mean, is I'm Faku, just asking. Are they going to re-sign Faku in the offseason? Do you see that happen? I, I, that seems hard to me to see that in the future, given what his role is now. Not just given what his role is right now, but Bones Highland, uh, he, he's got next. He's good. He's good. Jamal Murray, coming back. He'll be playing. Faku is not playing, and Jamal's not here. What's Faku going to do when Jamal is here? I, I, I'm not a mathematician. There, there's not extra minutes to go around. So Faku was helpful to some degree while Jamal was out. He won them. He helped win them a playoff series last year in Portland that nobody expected. Wild. Um, I, I, I mean, I have to believe that Faku's time has – likely run its course. He hasn't played meaningful minutes for the Nuggets since March 9th against the Sacramento Kings. It's almost April 9th. If he was in the rotation, we would have known it by now. Um, that being said, I am not convinced that anything is going to give on the Davon front, even though I'm a fan and I know that Michael Malone is a fan of what Davon Reed brings to the table. Yeah, I think if you had a uh, a centerfold of Michael Malone's favorite sort of role player, it's the six foot seven, the six foot nine wing guy who can guard multiple positions. He loves that player more than anything. Yeah, he just loves guys who are willing to fight around screens, who have long wingspans, who are physical, who get rebounds, who play a role who are okay with that role Tory Craig I mean my like defining image of Tory Craig is him with a face mask on because his nose was bleeding like Davon Reed does the does the garbage does the grunt work and that's what Malone appreciates um you're not going to get that from Bryn Forbes who until a couple ga until last game um you know was behind Davon Reed in the rotation 
that being said, Bryn Forbes does do different things. He, he's a catch-and-shoot option. He can stretch the floor. You obviously need to hit threes um, in the playoffs and, and, and space the floor for Joker. But to me, look at this. Last season, they played Shaq Harrison in the playoffs against the Portland Trailblazers. Remember, there was like that two-minute stretch where he guarded Damian Lillard. You're telling me you can't find a spot for Davon Reed to contribute, who's a better offensive, a far better offensive player than Shaq Harrison? Come on now. What are we doing here? All right, switching gears. We brought him up earlier. Said his name. You cut me off. You didn't want to talk about him yet. I wasn't ready. We're, we're, we're ready now. Michael Porter Jr., I there is no positive signs to be taken from the last few weeks with him coming back. We have yet to see anything that's encouraging in, yeah, what, three weeks, you'd say? About two, three weeks at least. So are we ready to say that ship has sailed with Michael Porter Jr. coming back this season? I'm not ready to say that definitively, but my uh, my optimism is waning quickly. Um, to your point, there have not been any – positive updates there was a lot of momentum several weeks ago that Michael Porter Jr. was going to come back he was on the doorstep of coming back he was he expected to to be back playing right now um I reported a setback and you know what I reported was that a lot of it stemmed from his his frame of mind that he was so eager to come back that he maybe pushed himself um pushed himself harder than he should have and so at this point, you know, it's unclear whether there's any room for him to return this year. I'll just tell you, one of the most stunning um, visuals that you see pregame at the Nuggets games is when Jamal Murray is working with three or four of the team's player development staffs running through drills, running through screens, having people contest, rear contests, um, being physical, knocking with them on one half of the court. Then on the other half of the court, you see somebody essentially shagging balls for Michael Porter Jr. Porter will get some shots up, and the guy will just feed him. No defenders, one on zero. Just get some shots up and maybe get it, get some sweat going. Like, it, I mean, the amount of resources dedicated to one guy versus the other guy is not subtle. So what I am comfortable saying at this point is I'm not entirely sure that the decision is – Michael Porter Jr.'s and only Michael Porter Jr.'s at this point. Um, you know, we, we knew he was trending in the right direction. That has stopped. Um, and, and clearly, has, has been, that momentum has been stunted. Uh, I believe that the decision for when and if MPJ comes back will be a collective decision amongst the team, his agent, uh, himself. I don't think that this is – you know, like a Jamal Murray situation where the ball is strictly in Jamal Murray's court. The ball is not in Michael Porter Jr.'s hands right now. Um, and I think that it is going to be a, a collective, are we comfortable with this, and should we be pushing this three or four months after he's had his third back surgery? I, they gave him a big contract at the start of this season that doesn't kick in until the start of next season. There has to be... Just a little inkling of buyer's remorse right now uh, with the team. They have to be a little nervous. What have we gotten ourselves into? Did, if we had just waited, we would have all of the information now that we need to make a, a proper decision. 
Yeah, there's no way that they're not looking at this and saying, man, we should have taken this to restricted free agency where we would have had more information. Uh, you know, we, we could have seen what his market value is. We could have seen what other teams are willing to pay. And we would have had as much information, as much medical information as possible on a guy before we commit, you, you know, f- franchise-altering money to this guy who's had X amount of surgeries already. I mean, you know, back issues don't go away. Th- these are the type of things that linger. So can he get past them? Um, and, and can the Nuggets survive with this guy that they just committed so much money to? And can he get right? Because they hitched a significant wagon to MPJ. And, you know, it's it's – you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. You look at all those medical reports um, fr- from the draft and why teams were scared of them. And I don't know who's I, I don't know who's laughing now. You know, are, are the Nuggets thrilled with their investment, or are those other teams breathing a sigh of relief that they didn't commit? You know, twenty five plus thirty million dollars per year um, to a guy with a serious injury history I think that's probably the main reason why if I'm the Nuggets I'm even maybe even more than Jamal Murray practicing extreme caution about when to bring him back this season again given there is a ceiling on this team probably hard to see them getting past the Suns uh hard to see them getting past the Grizzlies um maybe who knows? Everything breaks right. They get to the Western Conference Finals. That's a great season. They haven't done that a lot in the history of this franchise. But is it really worth the gamble? I think that's if where I'm at with the Nuggets. If I'm if I'm running that team, that's I'm making some serious calculations there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we've said it. You know, if if I'm if I'm the Nuggets and I'm the training staff and I'm Porter, I am just handling him with all the white gloves. Like you had optimism and then you didn't have optimism. How many times do we need to get our excitement up that he might be on the mend? And it, from my vantage point, it would be prudent to let him recover uh, for X amount of months this summer and, and have a full healthy training camp um, before again, bringing him. It's the same pressure cooker that we're talking about with Jamal The you know, the playoffs where it's more physical. Uh, remember defense, a, a, not optional. Every single playoff series that Porter has been in, he's been targeted. You're telling me we're going to risk putting him in when he's not fully physically healthy. Now this dude is just going to be even more handicapped defensively. Uh, so there's, if again, this is, this is me, general manager, doctor talking. I'm not, I'm not risking it, but I can't say definitively uh, what the Nuggets are going to do. So, switching gears here, let's get to a, a sunnier topic, although with Mike Singer today, who knows if there's any sun at all. Wow. Nikola it's Jokic. It's sunny in Singerland. <laughs> Nikola Jokic has vaulted to the top of the betting markets as the NBA MVP. He's done that. Why? Because ESPN revealed last week, uh, our man Dim Bonteps, that Nikola Jokic is the favorite to win the MVP. The the poll that it was taken of 100 media members indicated that he is now the overwhelming favorite 
to win the MVP race with, I think at that point there was like eight games left, somewhere, somewhere yeah, around eight then, or nine games left. eight or nine games to go. So can't think that much has changed since then. So we're looking at potentially the second straight NBA MVP award coming back to Denver for Nikola Jokic. That puts him in rare territory. First of all, when we say overwhelming, um, I believe – Joker had 62 first place votes. So that's, is that that's a majority? We're, we're we're cool with saying overwhelming. Well, there? you've got two other candidates that are siphoning off first place. I votes. just want to define overwhelming. That's all I want to do. <laughs> we're we're good with that. Okay. I, I'm saying that, and also on top of that, I believe the betting lines at this point, he's a negative number, and here's, you're a negative number. That means you are the favorite. Here's my problem with the ESPN poll. Uh, that Tim Bontemps does every year, and he does a good job of, and, he, and, and give him credit because he tracks everybody down, and, and that takes a lot of work um, to compile it all and to compile it in a timely manner. My problem. Hold on, just to just just to make make sure we all know this. Nikola Jokic minus three twenty MVP odds. That's overwhelming. Sure, I was only going off of the ESPN uh, straw poll, but yes, minus three twenty is is overwhelming. The dude's in all likelihood going to win. Um, his second consecutive MVP. My problem with the poll and my problem that everybody takes it as gospel, including Las Vegas, which drastically swung the lines as a result of them. Almost immediately. That day they swung. I would call that immediate. My problem with the poll is that I have no idea how many of those 100 media voters that Tim Bontemps polled are actual NBA voters. Read the fine print. It's not there. All it says is that it's 100 media voters. Okay. Matt, did you vote? I I did not vote. They did not call me up. Didn't vote. All right. I did. So that's one. So we know that there's one NBA voter. I don't know about the other 99. I, I, I need to reach out to Tim. I need to ask him that. What I don't like is that I just don't like not knowing. And I think that we should be informed of how many are actual NBA voters before Vegas swings, before, you know, think pieces are written, before we start planning out our NBA MVP coverage um, based off of a poll that I don't know how much clout to give to. I trust Tim Bontemps a lot. Tim Bontemps is... Generally speaking, it's been right. That's a great point. It has been right. But this one is close. This one is historically closer. As of, I think, the second one, it was uh, Embiid. So if we have Correct. switched, I want, to know, has, I want to know who of those 100 people, how many of them are voters, and whether I should be concerned that the top vote getter has switched. I just want to know. And I think that the general public should know that as well. Because I, I, I mentioned this point to several people with the Nuggets – and they did not know that. Everybody who I've talked to is under the assumption that those who were polled are actual voters. So until I know, I'm going to take that with a giant spoonful of salt while at the same time acknowledging that Nikola Jokic in all likelihood is going to be a two-time MVP in a matter of weeks. So you're not ordering the cookie cake uh, for the celebration yet for Nikola Jokic winning the MVP? I think that it's happening. But I don't think it's happening because of that straw poll. I think that it's happening because every time you look up, Nikola Jokic is hanging 37, 18, and 8 
And the Nuggets are 41 last night, 41, 41 last night. That's pretty good. That's decent. Uh, I think he just set the Nuggets franchise record for consecutive games of 35, at least 35 points and 10 rebounds. That's three straight games of that. You know what's wild about Actually, last night? Actually, that's four straight games, including last night. You know what's wild about last night? He In had 41 points. I didn't think he played particularly well by Jokic standards. I was like kind of underwhelmed by his game, and he still had 41. To me, that's incredible. That that just says all you need to know about Nikola Jokic. He's going to put in 41, and you're going to be like, oh, he was okay. Uh, we have to take a pause real quick. On that note, we're going to address that when we get back. And we're back from our quick break. Had to go on the Twitter sphere for Mike Singer to inform the masses that, in fact, Jamal Murray will not be playing tomorrow night on Thursday. One regular season game left after that. Does not look good for him to come back. Can I just say that when I talked to Michael Malone this past week in Indianapolis, he brought up unsolicited how vital the play-in week could conceivably be in Jamal's return. Bef- before the play-in, you know, you just jumped right in the playoffs. There was no excess time built in. Jamal has an extra week um, to conceivably get ready, to practice, to gain that confidence that is, you know, it's fleeting, that's nebulous, that's hard to grasp. And at least he conceivably, if he doesn't come back against the Lakers on Sunday, will have another week. Then we can get into all the think pieces, whether Don't that's the right thing to do. Don't do it. All right. Well, I'm so not sorry. having that conversation right now. I'm just saying just I found it very interesting that Michael Malone brought it up unsolicited to me and says that that span of time could be invaluable to Jamal. That you know, And he told me that a week ago. So I, I, you know, I just put it in my back pocket, and I said that's interesting. And I will sit on that when the time comes. We're one game away from the time coming and it mattering. So, um, again, other people, columnists, whoever, can weigh in whether it's the right thing to do. The possibility remains that Jamal could come back even in the postseason. All right. So we got a bunch of awards swag here from the Toronto Raptors sitting to my left. Uh, We were just talking about the MVP conversation I want to ask you, have you made your decision on these awards? And just starting with the MVP, if, you're gonna, if we're going to assume that there are three people in this race, there are three players in this race, Giannis, Embiid, Jokic, what's your one, two, three? You want me to give up the goods? I want you to give up the goods. What if I want to save the goods for Sunday's journal where well, I – Okay, okay, let me, let me be more – where are you leaning? Where am I leaning? Uh, I'm leaning towards our guy. I'm leaning towards the guy who is uh, carrying a team of, uh, of you know, third and fourth peg guys to a five or a six seed and becoming the only player in NBA history to ever average 26, 13, and seven throughout a season. And a leading basically every advanced statistic known to man you don't want to talk about advanced stats the dude is top 10 in points rebounds and assists are we comfortable talking about those stats what what stats are are allowable in the conversation is it allowable when you don't have your number two and number three players and you're still 
competing and still sitting on 47 wins with a chance to get to 49 wins, which, by the way, would surpass the Las Vegas total that was set at the beginning of the season. With Michael Porter Jr. Can we talk about those numbers? Are we comfortable with those? Are those allowable? Come on now. So, all right, so who's number two for you? I'm leaning towards I'm leaning towards the Greek freak. Greek freak number two. Yes. Wow, and B doesn't even get number he's not gonna be happy about that. That's why I said I'm leaning. We've left the door open. The door is creaking. He's been pretty good lately. He's been great. And this is the thing is is that in any other year, any of these guys would be leading candidates. It's a it's an atypical year with historic guys. You know who else isn't getting enough love that would get love Devin in, in Booker? other years? exactly what I was going to say. Devin Booker, man. Devin Booker's crazy. He is so good and has uh, certainly opened the door for him to make a first-team All-NBA uh, vote as well, which I need to consider. For, you know, Full disclosure, I need to have my vote in by April 11th. Um, I haven't submitted them yet. I need to sit down. I, I usually take several hours to sit down and sift through them. I don't know where I'm leaning on a number of them. But I will say, shout out the Toronto Raptors for sending over their swag bag a shirt of Scotty Barnes with the Slam Magazine uh, insignia. That is sweet. It's a sweet shirt. People on Twitter, I tweeted out the picture, have already asked me how much uh, I want for it. I'm keeping that one, guys. Um, Did they win your vote? They influenced it. So any other teams, uh, any other teams out there? Uh, Jesse, send me an email. I'll give you the address. All packages are welcome. Can I just, just for fun, uh, insert Bones Highland into the conversation? Well, he's not going to win Rookie of the Year. All rookie? Could he get in the all rookie discussion? He could. He could, and maybe, maybe trending towards uh, a first or second team uh, all rookie vote for uh, for Mister Number Twenty Six. Not bad for Number Twenty Six. Not bad. Um, Bones has been great, and. You know, you just look at how much Malone trusts him. Um, dude has so far outplayed his his draft position. That does not happen with rookies often with our man, Michael Malone. N- no, it doesn't. But Bones is, Bones is different. If you didn't read it, I had a big story on Isaiah Thomas mentoring him um, in, in this past Sunday's paper. Uh, I, oh, I just wanted – so the Nuggets reached out to Isaiah Thomas to do this. That, to me – one, I think, wow – great of the Nuggets, too, I think. What does this say about Isaiah Thomas's future? Is he going to be somebody who's like a coach or front office? Or It seems like you do that when you think, here's somebody that knows how to reach other players and give them the right message. Yeah, I mean, why do you think the Charlotte Hornets brought IT in? IT has a lot of institutional knowledge. He carries clout amongst players. Um, you know, I talked to IT for that story, and he told me I've been in every single NBA situation possible. Like, I have knowledge and wisdom to pass on and he's eager to pass it on so I know that IT got a, a bad rep while he was in Denver wasn't in shape wasn't healthy um, wasn't a factor when he was here Michael Malone said that it was one of the hardest conversations he ever he's ever had as a head coach to pull him out of the rotation I'm happy that IT is back in the league and I'm happy that he is doing his thing and is contributing to the Hornets who, who are a team on the rise um yeah, I, I caught Bones before one of the games. I said, yo, I, I, you know, I put together this story, and he goes, send it to me, send it to me. So I tweeted it to him, and he, he, he shares it out, uh, and he tagged Isaiah Thomas. 
at which point I remembered that during Isaiah Thomas's tenure in Denver, he blocked me on Twitter. <laughs> so it's unclear whether uh, whether he saw that that story or not. Um, but that was a funny full circle moment. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. I, I can't imagine any other Nuggets are really up for any other uh, awards this year. I, doesn't Michael Malone? He's done a great job. Uh, he's been a great coach. He always is, but uh, can't imagine. He's not going to win Coach of the Year. Coach of the Year is so stacked. Yes, I, I don't. I don't know where to go yet on Monty. that one. It, it has to be Monty. I, I, I don't know why it would be anybody else. Well, there's a lot of reasons why. Uh, Taylor Jenkins is really good, and they've survived without John Morant. Uh, Ime Udoka no. was really, really, really good. And yes. Has, it, in his first year, solved the Celtics riddle. How uh, many? How many wins do the Celtics have? I mean, forty nine. Is it forty nine wins? You know how many wins the Phoenix Suns have? Sixty three. Matt, I'm being blinded by your Suns tattoo right now. Can you um, please, uh, you know, cover that up? <laughs> um, look, it's a stacked field. Even Chris Finch uh, in Minnesota has done an excellent job. So I don't know where it's going to go. I will say that because of what happened last year where Tom Thibodeau yes I know you've made your point because of what happened last year where Tom Thibodeau jumped Monty Williams stunningly um I do wonder whether that there's a a, it's not a sympathy vote but if there's an acknowledgement hey makeup this dude needs to get his um because the Suns are nasty pretty good 63 wins that's a franchise record by the way so all right now that we're we're done with all of our awards talk I want to bring up the fact that right now I'm, I'm looking at iTunes. We're on iTunes. You can listen to us on time. You might be listening to us right now on iTunes. I don't know. We only have a small handful of reviews, and we want you to review us on iTunes. Our very first one, I'll, I'll read off the very first one. Not too complimentary for our guy, Mike Singer, but oh let's do it anyway. And Mike... Take it in stride. It's okay. Teflon Mike. We're good here. This is from Craig Randall, I believe. It's it's all one. I, Craig Randall. Yo, that's my best friend. Craig Randall, your best friend? No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. <laughs> all right. I'm glad the Denver Post is on the game, but Mike Singer's voice is not easy on the ears. Ouch. I don't listen to this show unless I'm all caught up with DNVR. Oh, I respect. Not easy on the ears. I love your voice personally, Mike. I think you have a sultry voice. Little known fact, in high school, baritone in the Glee Club. Oh, wow. Uh, I bet you this guy didn't know. Craig Randall did not know that. Eat that, Mr. Randall. (laughs) So, all right. Here's the deal, listeners. We want more reviews on iTunes and we're willing to give you stuff for it. Yeah, we're not above bribing. Bribery, we'll do it here. And we've got quite the gift for you. It is a Denver Nuggets 2009 NBA Finals t- NBA Finals t-shirt. That's right. That didn't happen. The Nuggets did not go to the NBA Finals in 2009. But we have a t-shirt that says that they do. If you want that t-shirt, we want you to go on iTunes, go search for Nuggets, Inc., Write a review. Five stars only. 
You have to be five. You can rip us. You can say, Mike Singer's voice is terrible. Why do I have to listen to this terrible voice? As long as you give us five stars, it's all good. We're happy. Be good. Be funny. Be creative. Review us on iTunes, and you can have yourself one of the greatest Nuggets t-shirts. The NBA Finals. The Nuggets in the NBA never happened in their franchise history, but we have a T-shirt that says that it did. So please, go on iTunes, rate us, review us, rip us, rip me. I don't care. I've already gotten a couple emails. Speak up, Matt. You're not loud enough, Matt. Why won't you speak into the microphone, you dummy? Well, all right. I'm all here for that. Do it as much as you can. Mike, you got any thoughts on this? Uh... Yeah, my voice is nice. <laughs> uh, I, you know, so I've been told by my parents. Um, but you know, we we really do want to hear your feedback. So please let us know. Um, evidently, with the caveat, we you know five stars. But again, we we appreciate all feedback regardless. Um, the shirt's pretty sweet. Uh, that's all I'm saying. You're not gonna find it anywhere else. Just so. just to go with a couple of the reviews. They're not all bad. Oh, boy. They're not, they're, they are not all bad. Um, one is just from Tyranna, Dan. My sister. Is that your sister? Nope. nope. Okay. <laughs> Five stars titled Great Pod. Love it. That's the message. That's a good one. Maybe a little bit more verbose when you send yours in. Great listen. For all Hoops fans, Sheldon Souza Jr., the title, Jokic-level podcasting, five stars. That's one heck. We'll take that one. One heck of a review. So, again, please go on iTunes, review us. And if you don't have iTunes, you can listen to us in other places. We're on SoundCloud. We're on Google Play. Uh, There's some others that I, I can't get off the top of my head right now, but we're on all of them. If you listen to podcasts, we're there. Nuggets, Inc., Mike Singer, so glad to join you again in your wonderful abode. How do you have so many shoes? It's amazing how many shoes you have. That That's just a collection. There Many tennis shoes, I might say, too, like multiple high tops. What do you uh, need multiple high tops for? Reebok Dunks, baby. One time I got them. I, I've wanted them forever. Got them off eBay. They're my favorite <laughs> shoes I own. I feel like that's a good place to wrap this one. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us, and thank you, Mike. Turn around